Now boarding for Rebuild of Joycast, your weekly destination for anime, manga, and more. Welcome back, everyone, to Joycast. I am joined today. It's been a long time coming. Been a while since we had you. We are joined by my beautiful wife, Stina Carey. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yep. You're going to sub in for Val because Val got a last minute invitation to a uh, convention uh, in Birmingham, uh, Anime League. So, um, it already happened. By the time you're hearing this episode, that has already happened. So, you need to go back in time and support Val by going to uh, this convention. Um, but yeah, he's there. So, I was like, oh, it's okay. Because Val was like, oh no, is there anything we need to talk about? I'm like, no, everything's on sudden break. One Piece, My Academia. I'm not sure if you've been listening to the show, Stina. We uh, we kicked Chainsaw Man out of the triumph. I, I heard the other day from the couch when you guys were recording. Yes, I was... Not surprised. Not surprised. It's, even, it's gone downhill. Even Host has conceded just the other Thank day. Thank God, because Host always tells me, he's like, you just don't understand what they're doing. And I'm like, I do, and it's just not for me. I think there's a difference. It's just week to week. It's I'm still, still reading it. Yeah. It's just so slow. It, it, it just week, week to week, it's miserable. It needs to be read in volumes now because there's no other yeah. way. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, um, so yeah, the the reason why I brought you on, Cena, because I... I teased this to the audience before on that you have been you've read my hero academia from start to finish for all the crap that me and val give this series um it's very near and dear and special to our hearts so i'm excited to hear your perspective on it fucking opinions yeah and you got like some no some you've had some really cool dissections and things that have actually impacted the writing of the uh, bridge series going forward like you've brought in some really interesting insights that i want you to bring here because like we talked about the private and the public self that you noticed mm, in the themings, and i thought oh that is brilliant i need you so that's up to you we can start from the beginning and work our way through the arcs or if you just want to hit the theming or the characters that's fine but i need you to hold a pin in it because there is some breaking news. Oh yes! In Japan, they have arrested leakers, manga leakers, and this is ex- this is very interesting. And um, because they really they really buried the lead on this story, because we were like, oh no, scanalations are in trouble now. No, this is a completely different thing. So again, for my Academia in particular. We would get spoilers for My Hero Academia like on Tuesday nights and Wednesday mornings, which is way too freaking early, okay? That when Val and I are reviewing and reacting to a weekly manga series, we use the Friday scanlations. That's different. That's after the stuff, the official material is out and it's been scanned appropriately and translated. That's purely a service issue. And if Jump ever wanted to approach that, all they got to do is do more simul publishing like Chainsaw Man, mm. which they're currently not very interested in that. That's only for Chainsaw. I think Chainsaw Man's the only one that gets that. <laughs> which is funny. Which is funny considering <laughs> how everyone's dropping Well, you it. know why it is, is because there's hardly any words in Chainsaw Man. So what's the effort really? It's, it's, very, it's very easy to do. Translating it is probably the easiest part of that manga. Yeah, so... If people, if, if, if Jump ever want to get rid of fan translations, all they got to do is do more simulpubbing. Because we watched this happen in real time with Kandansha when they made the K-Manga app. Um, because up until that K-Manga app came out, it was very difficult to get English translations of Kandansha uh, materials. You get a few rare things like Attack on Titan, stuff like that. Um, but otherwise, unless it was a really big series, good fucking luck. But fan translations came to the rescue. But when K-Manga first debuted, all the, the major fan translators bowed out. They said, okay, 
This source is now easily available. We There's no more need for us. We'll go away. But then the minute they introduced that ticketing system, the fan translations came back. They said, okay, you've made it a service issue again. Shocker. We're yeah. back. So again, that fan translations, that is purely a service accessibility issue. That's yes. not a problem. Even That's the only way you can read new shoujo. Go, so. go, go back to that talk I had with that Toho agent where he goes, these people are not in our market. If people are expressly not interested in, in, um, in the market for your material, don't fucking cut off their avenues because now you'll, you'll, because, because, because even those people who are reading the fan translations, they're still buying the merchandise and that, and there's a problem. But if you cut off those avenues, now they don't even know your fucking content exists. As an outside operations manager looking in, I am just startled that no one has said, it's almost like they've said, oh, you know, there's no way to make money on translations because we're trying this business model and they're not eating it up. So that must mean it doesn't work. And I'm like, or you could just change the fucking business model, yeah. dipshit. Make, the like make it more service accessible. Um, that being said, though, even though we do react on Friday with the Friday translations, we always go back and read the official source. That is so important, you guys. You must read the official source. That tells Shueisha, like, when you guys are complaining, uh, so a couple series have just been, um, axed. Um, m most uh, notably, uh, Martial Master Asumi, a very well done series. Everyone's going, oh my gosh, that series, wait, it was so good. What the hell happened? The hell happened was people were not reading enough from the official source. You gotta be, it's a very careful game. I actually wanted to ask you about this too because the conversation, you know, obviously the main point of the conversation of axing that I'm interested in is how much longer Two on Ice is gonna live because that's my favorite. They're next, but they're next. hang on, hang on. But here's a question I have. Are they looking at pure number of readership when they're making these decisions or are they also looking at retention of readership over time? It's complex. And so so th these numbers are very complex. They're not inherently public. But what we've learned is that number one, vo volume sales is king. Yeah, yeah. Volume sales. So once you're in, after, once you get acquire about five chapters and you put that in a volume, they want to see how much you're making there. That's mm -hmm. that that is king. Sure. After that, it is um, it's a number of readers. Retention, as you said, retention is king. They have sales graphs of this where they mm -hmm. where they, they see over time because they understand that there's an ebb and flow to it that you're never going to have, um, you're going to reach a peak and you're never going to hit that peak again. They understand that. Um, but it's just, you have to hit it. You have to maintain a certain threshold and um, volume sales is king, definitely. Well, see, and but there's but there's more going on because again, then there's very rare things because mm -hmm. dur during a shareholder meeting that went public, um, Shueisha discussed about how virility was very important. What does that mean? Again, old old people out of touch don't understand how internet culture works. Sure, they want to be viral. Oh, and, and, okay, that's what you mean. You said virility, and I was like, I, I, they I want it to fuck. I, like, I, I know, but um, I, me too. So, but but that's why Kagurabachi, regardless of how people feel about Kagurabachi, I enjoy it. But some people do not because they don't they don't like the memeification of it. That is unfortunately a very important, that's a very yeah, important fact yeah. in Shueisha. Guys, the lesson here is if you love a manga, try and make dank memes with it. Um, it does work. It, it does works, very much work. And also I enjoy looking at them. So, but also, so here's here's the thing that I think I, came to mind for me when you were talking about Martial Master versus like how the fuck did Two on Ice survive the axe this week? And I wonder- It could have been anyone well, is the thing. Well, here's the thing. I wonder if part of it is like, did Martial Master start 
dropping. So even though it has more readers technically than other series, how much of their readership week over week are they retaining yes. or are they bleeding? Because maybe part of the equation is folks that are more loyal to these manga that don't necessarily perform the sheer numbers every week, are the numbers consistent? Do they have 300,000 every week, even if that's the lowest yeah, number on no, the list? And, you know? and I think that was the case, but that has to do with time because there's mm -hmm. 32 chapters of Martial Master you are gonna and, fall and, off, and, yeah. and only 18 of Two on Ice. So Two on Ice still has some time to fall. 19 of Two on Ice. Okay, as yeah. of this week, yeah. As of this week. Maybe but, 20? But I think they're next because, it, it, like, literally, people are still, like, again, in the West, we're remarking, because, again, the West doesn't support Nui's Exorcist, but it gets a lot, plenty of support in the East, and that's important to them. Because people are like, why does Nui's Exorcist... Basically, I've noticed that Nui's Exorcist, Martial Master Asumi, Two on Ice, and then whatever... Um, fodder they keep throwing on this time at Shadow Eliminators. They've been taken and Cypher Academy, which got axed the the week prior. Greens, 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 sir. Um, green greens will be next. Yeah, it, that will not last eighteen chapters. That that will last eighteen chapters exactly, and it's out of there. I was gonna I, say that's I what I'm banking on. I'm like maybe Two on Ice gets one more chapter because green. I just I uh, propaganda, endless Two on Ice propaganda is all you're gonna get from me because yeah. I am just in love with that series. But um yeah, but so um, what I'm getting at is like yeah, the we have a crop that's really taking turns being the bottom, and yeah. Nui's Exorcist is running out of um whipping boys is what I'm saying. It's time it's coming. Yeah, it's running out of guys to fall on the dagger for it. But we've really buried the lead here. We're talking about leakers who got arrested in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what happened. This is not about fan translations. This is about leaking. And I, in my opinion, good fucking riddance. Hmm. I don't need leaks on a Wednesday morning. I'm still busy midweek. I don't need to be hearing <laughs> about My Hero Academia in One Piece on a fucking Wednesday. I want to hear about it on Friday. I don't want that shit spoiled. I think that shit is ridiculous. I cannot believe... I mean, I, I understand how, but it drives me nuts that there's a whole underground industry revolving around just guys leaking shit uh, uh, two days way too early. But the reason why these guys got arrested is, and this is what they barely leak, because they, they, again, you know, news articles, they got to get the, the the keywords, the buzzwords. It was a leakers, deal, right? leakers arrested. It wasn't just leakers were arrested for leaking. They, bro they broke up an entire fucking crime ring with this. Mm -hmm. What was wow. happening was these leakers... Were, were working for these dummy companies that were acquiring magazines off market and basically so they, like they, they were finding these stores that were selling issues because so when you when, when again your favorite issues of jump are like done on a Sunday and then they they're, they are immediately pressed and sent to these stores where they sit there in their hole and I'm not sure what exactly what day exactly they go in the market but we call this an embargo hmm. where the store has the issues but it is locked in a vault and they're not allowed to sell it yet. They have found this crime ring of stores who are selling outside before the vault's allowed to be unlocked. They are going in the vault and they're selling to these leakers. And then those leakers are now selling information to these Twitter guys who are now making getting engagement off the blue check mark for oh these leaks. That is what they're breaking up right now. That shit is ridiculous. The guys on Twitter aren't getting arrested. It's the guys who are who are supplying to the Twitter guys. I was gonna and, say there's no way they could get arrested because yeah. they have like reasonable deniability. Yeah. Yeah. We and, didn't and, know. But more importantly, no jurisdiction. Because like, oh my god, they're coming for TCB scans. I'm like, no, they're not. 
that there's no jurisdiction there. I would say Japan can't do like an international extradition for yeah. posting yeah. silly manga panels yeah. before these, they're supposed to. These leakers are na- they call them nationalists because they these guys live in Japan. They might be Japanese citizens. They might be dual citizens. Either way, they live and actively have a citizenship in Japan. That's why they get to be arrested and will be arrested because you are breaking a media embargo. You in the U.S. You break a media embargo, you're toxic. You don't get arrested, but no one wants to work with you anymore. In Japan, they are well within Japan, their rights. Law enforcement has nothing better to do. Yeah. So enjoy prison, scum. Yeah, you're going to like. fucking. You do that in Japan, you're going to prison. That's how it works there, because their copyright laws are a lot stricter. Oh, for real. So, they take that shit so. Se- and to be fair, I kind of get it because I feel like Japan takes a pride in their art that a lot of other. I don't want to say other nations don't, but I feel like. They really are proud of the cultural boom that they've had, and they want to protect that. I which agree. I understand. I agree, but it's also a layer of much more. Again, if you want to talk about like agencies, like with celebrities, idols, stuff like that, there's a little bit too much of control of media. Yeah. But 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 in cases like this, this is a good. thing. What happened here? This is a good thing. Maybe scanlations do slow down. It's okay. The official source is still more important. If that requires us to like reschedule the podcast. Um, to get more in line with things, then that's what we'll have to do. But I don't think this affects scanlations. I think these guys have always waited for the official source and will be fine. At least our sources. I was gonna say a lot fine. of scanlations these days too. Like I know that for the big series, there's always gonna be people that leak a little early, um, before the translation is available. But again, like scanlations for the most part that I read, uh, are because the things I like are not available in English, period. Yeah. They do not get licensed. Even though they make up such a significant market share in Japan, they just don't invest in American readership. And it's unfortunate, um, but, well, I guess not just American readership, but, like, English-speaking readership for a lot of the magazines I'm interested in is just not something that those magazines give a shit about. You gotta order direct through Kodansha's website from Japan if you want access to it otherwise. Um, and I just don't think, I don't think that if they're not already investing in that readership, there's no way they give a shit about coming for you because they're like, it's not money that we're interested in making in the first place. Um, but yeah, honestly, like, and that's the thing too. If these series weren't so fucking big, I don't think this would have happened. I think they would have gotten a slap on the wrist. Yeah. But yeah, so, so in short, basically guys, make sure to, if you love something, support the official source. However, there's nothing wrong with Friday because that's when the, that's, because that's when the source, the, the, the official source is on the market. It's okay. It's accessible. You're allowed to, you're allowed to scan it now. Um, and that's why, because you, because you want to be part of the discourse. Now it's a service issue. I want to discuss this manga and people already have access to it. I want to talk about it. That's fine. Read the scanlation. And then when Sunday comes and it shows up on, on Manga Plus, then read the official. Um, because I think it's important to have both. I think having the, the, the official source and the um, fan translation, because again, it's like sub versus dub. You're gonna get some new in- information the way, because people hit different facets of um, the culture. It's really interesting. I, I, but, but again, but if you want your favorite series to survive, uh, you want your favorite series to survive on such a ruthless magazine like Jump where very promising series are getting axed left and right, you've gotta support the official source. However, boo onto leakers who are buying their magazines underneath the table before it's on the market publicly. That's bullshit, okay? We, we don't need to be discussing manga that fucking soon. Um, but yeah, that's what we want to say in that because they, they just, like, 
this story buried the lead. It's like, the, people didn't get arrested for being leakers. They got arrested for fucking illegally buying, like, black market fucking issues a jump. You can't black do that. Black market. It, you sounds so, it sounds so edgy. Tickets to the Japanese? It feels that way. Um, so yeah, that's, I just want to discuss that news because that was important. Otherwise, so in lieu of, um, Cypher Academy and Marshall Master Mooney, uh, Marshall Master Asumi getting canceled, we have two new series coming. One is based on an already previously established one shot. The other one is a completely new title, I think, but it might have been an idea. Oh, 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 it was. Pippin's got opinions right now. Too many. Too many opinions, Too Pippin. Too many opinions, Pippin. You haven't even read Marshall Master Asumi in like 10 chapters. You're yeah, so it's, far behind. It's your fault I got canceled. You're never gonna catch up. Anyways, so... So there's two there's two new series. Um, These guys aren't newbies. I think they're new to the main magazine, but like they've been around all the ancillary magazines like Giga and all the, the developmental programs. So these guys got some experience. Um, I think one is a, is a action comedy. I'm not sure what the other one is, but... It seems like the next couple of series look like they could be some some sleeper hits, so I'm excited. Um, because it, I, I'm hoping they're just not exorcism manga, you know. So, so I'm sorry. Back up real quick because Pippin's opinions distracted me. Uh, what is the one shot that this new series is based on? Uh, I don't know the name at the top of my head. Like I said, I don't follow the ancillary magazines, but mm -hmm. I think it was like a I think it was like a supernatural. I think there was about a psychic police force, but okay. it was but it was a comedy. I like that. Yeah, that so, sounds fun. So I mean, something different. I just, I just again, I just hope it's not exorcism manga again because Shadow Eliminators actually is pretty solid. But the fact that even I think even the kitties who eat that shit up are like, oh my god, I have like five of these types of series. I can only, I can only keep up with like three a week. You know, I was gonna say I think they're murdering the meta right now. There's, there's not, a, there's, there's too much saturation in the meat yes. meta now, and I think they're finally learning that with Shadow Eliminators because eat, something like that is so good and it's not doing well. Like, it's already falling off, and it's only been out for, like, four issues. Like, yeah, they got Fuck exorcism manga, long live sports manga. That's all I have to say. The fact, the, how, okay, like, not even... You say that, but I all the sports loving, manga is getting canceled right now. But I, so here's the thing. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be a sports manga stan. I'm like, I don't play a lot of sports, so why would I give a shit? But now I'm reading, like, Dogs Red and Two on Ice and Blue Box, and I'm like, this is actually one of my favorite genres, I think. You can't go wrong with classical. Shonen, it's so good. Shonen and sports is fucking peanut butter and chocolate, dude. It, they just go so well together. Um, I was recently catching up on Ippo, Hajime no Ippo. I wait a couple months and start reading in volumes again. And oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, I forgot how fucking good. I, I, I remember when I was actively reading it week to week, I started getting tired of it because it gets a bit repetitive because more, um, Morikawa sensei, he is content to write the story until the day he dies and he'll keep it going. So yeah, you feel a bit of repetition, but it's like after you take a break from it and you come back, you go, oh, I forgot how good this shit is. That's been running since like the 80s, the, hasn't it? How it, many chapters are there? There's more than one piece. <laughs> what and, the fuck? And I genuinely sorry, I had to process And that. I genuinely believe that it's going on because I believe Morikawa is that kind of petty where he will refuse to end the series until Oda ends his. Like he wants Or until he, he, wants, he dies. He wants the record. He wants the record and he's getting closer now. Damn. Um, but what's interesting, because you just mentioned that it started in the 80s. Yeah. So I was just catching up the other week. They have smartphones now. The characters have smartphones. They're they're tackling social media right <laughs> My now. My goddamn brain. What? They, they're li they literally just had a chapter where they're tackling about social media bullying. 
And, wow. And I'm like, Well, they Wait. have to. That's the big thing in Japan right now, right? Like, Oshinoko did it, and now... Yeah. And we're like, wait, are they, like, retconning the time space, or are they there? And I did some research. I Like, I went with guys who have been more active with it. Apparently... He did a bit of a time dilation is what he did. Okay. It, it, apparently, Ippo, it, currently, Ippo is apparently in the year 2006, which checks. Mm. It definitely checks, because that means Ippo would still be in his 30s. And like it's like all the characters would be like in their late to mid, to mid Ippo would probably be in his early to mid 30s. The other characters would be in their late 30s. It's like, okay. Isn't that ancient in sports years? Or That's, is it, boxing different? Boxing in Japan is a little different. Like, it basically, in... um. If you're in your late thirties in boxing, you've had a very clean career. Like you've avoided injury, and you and that's your that's your reward for having for for staying fucking keeping your nose clean and you know not taking too many shots to the head. But <laughs> but at that point, but they've already had things. Like, there's things going on with Takamura right now where they're suspecting injuries. But yeah, no, but yeah, we're we're definitely at the point now where it's like Ippo could still have a comeback, but like guys like Takamura. They need to start wrapping up. Like, I know his rogues, his, his freaking peanut gallery, like Aoki and Kimura. These guys are basically done. They're in the twilight years of their career and they're aware of it. And so they're just kind of dicking around. Like, maybe mostly just trying to training the new gen. So they're, they're they're feeling their age. But, like, Ippo and Takamura. Ippo's not even boxing now, but you know they're playing the will he, won't he. Return from retirement. But, yeah. But, but, but what I was getting at is, like, I, that blew me away. Suddenly they have smartphones. And I'm like, what the fuck? They have Twitter and smartphones? It's like, wait, 2006. Twitter does exist. I Japan, mean, the smartphones is a bit of a stretch, but, but, but I guess they are rich. But so. but, but but again, it's a cond it, 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 they're condensing the timeline. 2006, Japan is kind of on the forefront still with technology, so like you can get away with that. It's still too soon. Cell phone wise, I actually don't know about that. Yeah, because they were still using flip phones for quite a while. Yeah, but 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 for a series like Epo, where they're definitely yeah. flirting with the timeline. That is completely fair. It's, it's not but it's gonna, still, yeah. You can still suspend your disbelief. Yeah, it's not it's, crazy. Yeah, it, yeah there, there's still some, you're still, you you're still allowed that suspension. Exactly. But it was still really jarring that just one day they're running and then Kimura and Aoki pull out their fucking flip, their, 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 their smartphones with the fucking iPhone cameras on the corner. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we skipped some steps. We cannot be in modern day right now because Ippo would be fucking old now. What the hell? Um, But yeah, that, that, so there's a, so there's there's a little bit of time dilation now mm. and suspension of belief, but it's like okay, it's interesting to keep the series fresh because 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 I was reading the fan discourse, a lot of people were pissed. They're like, what the fuck are they doing? But then some of the more seasoned fans were like, hey, this is a series that's meant to last a very long time. It's gonna last another twenty years probably, so it needs to get with the times a little now. And like you know mm. that's so if we need some suspension, some dilation, that's completely fair, but. That's all I want to talk about. I want to get to you on <laughs> my hero academia. Um, so like you oh, shit. <laughs> over, over the course of the holidays, you read this from start to finish, and yep. you I would hear your reactions, and I love this series, and now and this is a very big this thing it has a big reputation on our channel. It's a big part of our lives, and it's like I'm so excited now to hear your thoughts on it and your interesting um insights to it. So please, where do you want to start? Well, I think, okay, I don't know if I shared this before elsewhere, but I think I did in a stream, but I'm going to say it again here. Uh, I owe, like, the biggest apology to both Deku and Deku stands because I kind of get it, and here's why. 
So we talk about wish fulfillment and how, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's because like he has plot armor and all of like Deku's fans just want to be super powerful. Like he's a self-insert. He has no depth. Well, receive things fair, for nothing. That's what that's yes, our issue yes. is that he, he gets handed things and he, ste and he steals from other characters. But here's the thing. When we talk about the fan base and what they get out of Deku, yeah. I think you're right that it's wish fulfillment. I think you're... Uh, no, wrong no. about, hang on, what kind of wish is being fulfilled? So let me just add, I feel like I'm still correct about Deku as a character, but, oh, I, yeah. but, but I owe the Deku stance an apology. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the reason I say this is because I think the specific wish that's being fulfilled, especially like being someone who understands this community, especially this community when young, I think that the big thing that people appreciate about Deku is how much his friends love him. Because that's a thing that in this day and age, we are so fucking lonely and we are so disconnected as a society. That lo seeing, lo we call it the loneliness epidemic. Yes, and seeing Deku surrounded by dozens of people that love him, support him, and are working toward the same goals, especially for a young person in this day and age, I completely understand how important that is and how comforting that must be. You know? Especially in My Hero Academia, where, again, I feel like Horikoshi keeps getting stepped on by his editors. And, then, and again, I've always felt like he's always been, like, restrained. And I feel like if he had more breathing room, which he has, since he switched editors a couple years ago, we've seen him get more breathing room to finally correct these mistakes. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they feel a little too late, but he's getting there. And I feel like My Hero Academia is, like... We talk about how Shonen Jump, its formula comes from the 80s, the, the economic boom in Japan of, hey, come get your get money. If you work hard, you're gonna get you're gonna be rewarded for it. And all you all all if you wanna if you wanna succeed in life in Japan in the 80s, you just gotta have a good a can-do attitude and a good work ethic. Mm -hmm. And that works. And that's and the way we see the the Japanese economy and the global economy today, now we know that this formula and this this um emotion that's tied to the, the formula of Shonen Jump and how it relates to the economy is all bullshit now. Mm. There's a disillusionment. The Shonen Jump formula doesn't quite hit as good anymore because now it's now it feels like a lie. But that's why I like this interpretation you've had. You've really turned me on this power fantasy that Deku has. Where it's like, what if that system still worked a little? Not in the, oh man, if you work hard, good things will come to you. It's not that with My Hero Academia. If it's, you have a loving support system, yes. shit will come to you. If you network, I yeah. love that. This is, if you just have someone fucking believe, again, you can make this argument about nepotism, and sure, you can call Deku, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely call Deku a nepo baby. He's, he's all my nepo baby, but, but that's what My Hero Academia is about. It's, if you get the right people to fucking back you up. My Hero, the power fantasy about My Hero Academia, as you said, is about support systems. That's, that's that's the that's the that's the um the wish fulfillment. Oh man, I wish I had these incredible friends who backed my ass off and gave me notes and I just copied them and and and, and you can make this, and this is the argument that I'm trying to make now. I'm trying to fix Deku too right now through your bridge of what if this black hole thing that Deku does? What if him, even if he is taking from other characters, what if him emulating what they do on the fucking world stage out in public? This is an expression of his gratitude of hey. This is your style. I'm about to make your style public, motherfucker. Like, th this is me showing you. This is something I learned from someone else. Mm. I can. I'm carrying your shit like a torch. 
you like you might have limits of what what you're networking and what society allows allows you only get so far. I'm gonna take what you're, you what you have and I'm gonna carry it with me. This is the fucking baton pass. I like this. I like this, and I'm glad you brought that initially. That that whole reinterpretation of Deku's wish fulfillment. I'm like, mm. I, I I'm enjoying the, the series a lot more because now now I see that when Horikoshi isn't restrained by his editors, that's a whole nother argument. Um, it's a little bit of hearsay. I don't want to get too much into it. But apparently, as Horikoshi is, it feels like the series is wrapping up because Horikoshi's starting to get just a little bit more public about what he's talking about. That's what I'm gonna get to next: is the public and the private self. Oh yeah, yeah. We are very quietly seeing a little bit more of public Horikoshi, and this man seems to really hate Jump's editors. So, like, what I was suspecting—he's dropping the gloves. Yeah, he's dropping the gloves. He's, he's big enough that he can start doing that. I think. Well, he's, oh, he's always been big, but he's just been making sure he gets his series done. But he gets here's his the paper. thing. Here's the thing. For him, I mean, yeah, he knows the end is coming, but the other part of it, and this is kind of something that I've related when we've talked about this back to that moment where Miyazaki is talking about the uh, the AI-generated zombies moving with their heads. Yeah. And I was like, this is an assault on human life. This is an insult. Like, yeah. I hate it. Um, when you're Miyazaki, you can, so I guess to explain, I was telling Ivan about how the Japanese have this concept of tatemai versus home. And so tatemai is like the face you so show to the public, the opinions you show to the public. It's it's essentially equivalent to like political correctness, but people give a big fuck about that in Japan. Um, so like it also goes back to like you might disagree with your elder, but you're absolutely going to kiss their ass to their face. Whereas hon is one's honest feelings that are aligned with one's internal like ethics and opinions. You usually don't share that with anyone in public and you talk only to like your family and your close friends. And there's even some, like there are some people that keep those thoughts so private that they only will be honest about them with themselves. And so I think that when we see Horikoshi starting to talk shit about the editors publicly a little bit, even though he'll it's do it in a very Japanese it's way. It's not public though. Basically we're finding these in like very, like people are screenshotting um, some chat rooms and shit that with oh, okay. a bunch so of other manga. His, because his, because uh, Horikoshi isn't public, but Gege Akumi from J Jujutsu Kaisen, he's very public. Gotcha. And because, because he's become friends with Horikoshi, we're starting to get echoes of things that Horikoshi says out of Gage's mouth. Mm. And that's where we're getting the sources. Like, all this shit I've always said about Horikoshi's editors, that's always been my suspicion. That's never been a confirmed thing. But now that we are starting to get leaks of what Horikoshi's setting, we're getting a confirmation that Horikoshi has a very adversarial relationship with his editors. So in other words, there's been a breach of trust with the author of JJK giving us this information. Yeah, but, but that those is guys very are, private yeah, and it's not intended but to those be guys are, in public. Those guys are friends, though. And again... No, 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 but what I'm saying is it's a bit of a faux pas for him to share that yeah. publicly but I when think, it is so private. But when you're friends with a guy like Gay, I think you're aware that if you say something, Gay is about to play with it. Like, well, he better be aware because Gay has a reputation. I'd be if I were horror. That man has a reputation. There's the reason why the Taliban has a fuck. He has a bounty with the Taliban so right now. What? <laughs> really? The it's a joke. It's oh, a joke. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, holy shit. Because JJK, anyway, but he can say it. That's the thing. Because JJK's doesn't fans have are funny. To, he doesn't have to uphold that tatemai because he has already shown then an expectation that he doesn't fuck with that. Yeah. And in Japan, that's extremely controversial and kind of, I imagine, makes him a little bit of a bad boy in a way. <laughs> that's a little taboo. Gege, absolutely. Gege is a, is a slutty little fucking baby, like a little baby doll. 
Is he like a very young author who is? All these guys are. All okay. these guys are very okay. young. It makes perfect sense. He's a generational leader. Yeah, essentially. But um, yeah. But, but, but 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 this idea of the tatami and the home—that's what I want to stick on because this is the first thing that you brought to me that was very fascinating mm -hmm. in terms of the theme. This is a part of my academia I did not hit upon yet that you found. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome about the tatami and the home. And that's um, this, that, that seems to be a lot with Shigaraki's conflict, uh, specifically the League of Villains, because that's something we've also complained about is how um, childish a lot of the League of Villains aspirations are. Mm. Where a, like a, a character like Spinner specifically, where his entire goal is just to thrash about. And it's like, why do we give a fuck about that? You want to fucking do a bunch of 9-11s because you just feel restrained? Who gives a fuck? Mm -hmm. But you, because you know more about the Japanese culture and you brought this idea about the tap to mind the hone. It's like, oh, that absolutely is a struggle in the Japanese culture. That, that mm -hmm. That's a lot of the, the Japanese public feels very bottled up. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, I just want to fucking scream and thrash about. I'm like... That's a whole nother layer that makes the League of Villains a lot more interesting well, than they just, already were. You just brought something up, and I don't want to change topics too quickly, but on the topic of Spinner, something that I'm also noticing is we really forget, I think, how young the League of Villains is as well, because we don't associate dastardliness with being young. But even though Toga's the only one that's technically, if I remember right, high school age, these are still very young people. Yeah. And so it makes sense that they would have underdeveloped goals. And one thing I notice about Spinner is he is being encouraged to take up a mantle that he does not have the maturity or the ambition to bear. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's and why that's I love Spinner. crazy. Okay, that, that was the exact moment. That's when Horikoshi got his new editor and mm -hmm. he got to have that moment where he goes, everyone, look at me. And then you see the fucking hospital, all the dead bodies in the hospital behind him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, again, he if he had these old editor, he would not be allowed to do that. And because the, they, they they tie his hands back because they because Shueisha has a certain image. It's a big corporation. You're not allowed to fucking criticize things. Well, and Spinner is a borderline child. Yeah, You're a kid. But, in, but, 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 but Horikoshi was this editor. The, the, the editor that Horikoshi now, I know he enjoys a lot more because he lets him finally do what he wants to do. Where you just said we have edit, we have Spinner with that with un, not fully developed ambitions, and, yeah, and, and ways to carry it out because he's young and short sighted. But but all oh, for ones, all well, for one, the evil motherfucker. They goes, hey, you want a few extra quirks and fucking thrash about? Here you go. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck about your ambitions. I give a fuck about you sowing discord in the society. Well, and the it doesn't matter thing, how in, how developed your ambitions are. I just need you to fucking cause violence. The so other here you thing go. that I really am noticing as a theme in here he, he that I, I don't think I understood. Fucked him over. Exactly. I don't think I understood this entirely before until I caught up all the way. But frankly, like, regardless of whether they're heroes or villains, I'm noticing that, like, there is a really stark lack of consideration for their future. Whatever they say on like the broad overarching level, it's like, oh, this is for all our futures or whatever. The individual young people that are involved in this fight, their futures are often not considered. Yeah. And I think that that makes a really powerful statement about where as a global society we're at, because no one gives a shit about the future of the youth. Yeah. They're like, oh, these are tools for our ends because we know this is all going to be over soon. And I think that, like, he makes a really great... Like, he does... He he exposes that in a really, I think, kind of subtle way because we see it very clearly with the League of Villains. Um, But I don't think that it's as clear with the heroes, but I see evidence of that there as well. Um, Where it's like, 
even the mentors are just kind of like, yeah, I mean, your future is going to be what it's going to be, but you need to help us out with this right now. You can worry about being a kid later. I mean, yeah, because during the final fight, fucking Jiro got her fucking ear ripped off. Yeah. Like, that, that's, a part of, that's a part of her quirk, dude. No, fucking, oh, Chaco is fucking dead. Like, or no, her, she's not dead. She's not dead? No, no, because Toka gave her a blood transfusion. That's right, that's right, that's right. And that's what I want to say. That's what I want to make goddamn sure That was I your say. favorite part. That, oh my God, they're my OTP. Like, fuck Ochako and Deku. It doesn't work. We're going to get it anyway because Toga is dead. This was but... my favorite part. You're doing your read-through. I told you to keep a list. Because I told you, I mean, I've expressed on the podcast that Deku does not have really genuine relationships with people. And I told you, keep a list of every relationship that's more sincere yeah. and genuine than Ochako <laughs> and Deku. Mineta X Deku, um, like 100%. I do, I love the idea of Mineta and Deku. Weird as that may be. I believe that Bakugo is madly in love with Deku, like in the text. Whether or not Horikoshi did that intentionally, I think you can do a very queer reading of this series. It, yeah, that, that's what the abridged is. <laughs> but I 100% believe that Horikoshi believes in Toga and Ochako. Oh, he couple. does. He, he absolutely really does. does. He absolutely Those, does. They're, they're, I think Ochako is believably bi, sure, but I think that, like, Ochako and Toga would have been in a different universe, just the love of each other's lives. Yeah. Because Ochako has a really keen understanding, and this is the one thing about her character that I think remains interesting now that the whole money grubber aspect is gone. She has a very... um just like a very compassionate heart in a way that like I don't see developed in a lot of heroines anymore in Shonen. Horikoshi really recovered it because I miss I miss the money grubbing. I liked how she was the working class yeah, hero. Yeah, that was fun. And then he, that whatever editor he had at time said, no, that's too imperfect. He can't do that. Mm. But now with this current editor he has, he, he got to swing it back where he goes, okay, let, you want her to be, you want these very feminine um, emotional maturity of Ochako. Okay, mm-hmm. let's play with that. And we're going to play with it with the villain. And I, I'm like, you know what? And the way he recovered. He really recovered Ochako. I was going to say, like, just the way that she was able to embrace Toga after everything. And in spite of Toga's, her attachment, oh, Toga's attachment is unhealthy and unnatural. I do still believe that. Even though I love Toga and I understand. But in the same way where Spinner's ambitions are unfully developed, Toga has an undeveloped sense of, 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 of romance. Well, she's traumatized. Yes. And so she can't, po- like, that's the thing too. Because of Toga's trauma, it's very true to life in that she can't form those normal relationships and has a very anxious attachment style where, like, she acts out specifically because she feels that nervous system activation of rejection, whether or not it's a real major rejection. And I know this because as I was reading it, I'm like, shit, I used to be just like that dog. (laughs) And uh, sometimes still am here and there. And so it's like to see Ochako accept her for all those flaws and to really and truly reach across the aisle in a battle that is literally like good versus evil, she still takes the time to be compassionate with this person who has been very adversarial with her, regardless of how the feelings work out, and actually gives in to that love in the end. And I really love that. I love that she like takes a minute to understand her and then says, oh, I understand. This is just the way you are. This is just the way you love. And that being the only thing Toga ever wanted in the first place, I was devastated that that was not gonna pan out and that she was gonna die. That devastated me because I'm just like, she deserves to have enjoyed that. I want to know what Toga's story would have been if she could have had that kind of healing relationship. Yeah, and it's just, it, it's a tragedy. But it the really redemption, is. I will say, was very sweet. Yes. It was very nice to see her get redemption because I always believed she would not have fallen in with the League of Villains if she had had proper, like, support system, support yes. as yes. a kid. And that goes back to 
the whole point of My Hero Academia, I really think, isn't necessarily, and I mean, Deku even says it in one place where he's like, this is a story about how, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I like this series now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm so happy that now you're seeing the well, way me and Val do. he says, this is how we became the greatest heroes. I was like, the whole point of this thing, I don't know if he knew it in the beginning when he started writing it. He did, no one But does. that is the theme of the story, is how... It, it's it, how it, we rise together, dude. It, well, it's a reboot. That's of, the point. It's the reboot. Is, again, there's this clash with the old capitalist system with the new support base. Mm -hmm. a, a more empathetic fucking system that is slowly being built and we're watching it happen in real time. I'm like, oh my God. In spite of all the times the fucking magazine stomped on his fucking um, creative ambitions, Horikoshi has really recovered. Me and Val have both fucking been wowed. By the past like two years of the series, like we we we've been joking about how much time he's been taking. Like this was supposed mm -hmm. to end like two years ago, but my God, the man is finally getting to be able to fix things. Like let him cook. Well, there's an emotional maturity and complexity to the series now that I don't think was there before. Like 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 if he had, had that if he had had that old editor, I think he would have wrapped it two years ago. He would have done it. He'd be like, fuck it, this series is unfixable. Mm -hmm. But when he got the new editor, he goes, okay. I can do I, what I fucking want now. I can do what I want now. <laughs> I mean, there's still restrictions. He still has some issues, apparently, but he's doing better now. So now he's going to fucking cook and he's going to take that time to make sure that he ends on his fucking terms. It, 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 My Academia has had a stunning recovery. Like, yeah. most series like this don't survive like that. Well, see, I think that's part of why I feel It's a testament to how special uh, it is. I fell off shortly after the sports festival arc long, long ago. So like coming back Most to it- Most people do, most people do. Yeah, coming back to it and like diving back in, I think was really nice because once you hit that point, and it is very noticeable where it starts to take itself a little more seriously. At first I was like, mm, I don't know if this is gonna work, but I'm kind of like, I'm cool with it being a series of two halves, you know? Cause I think it was originally just meant to be a battle shonen, And I feel like it's become something a little bit more at this point. But um, yeah, I, I, you have some feelings on Endeavor. I have some very complicated feelings on Endeavor. Dude. Yes, that's why he's awesome. Uh, well, okay, so first it should of all, be complicated. Let me say it was very hard for me personally to engage with Shoda's narrative just because of how complex the abuse his parents put upon him was. Because even though everyone's like, "Well, Endeavor was good to," no, he wasn't. He was not good to any of his kids. Let's get that out of the way up front. He damaged every single one of those children, regardless of how mom contributed. Yeah. Um. But so that made it very hard for me to engage with because I'm like, even though Endeavor's abuse wasn't straight up physical, that's actually part of what makes it much harder for me. Yes. Because emotional abuse is an invisible damage. Yes. That people don't take seriously. I was fucked up for most of college because I'm just like, I couldn't address my own past with similar themes, you know? And so it's like once, um, so I was like, I don't really want to engage with him. I know he's for some people, not just Endeavor, but, uh, oh my God, Shoto? Shoto. 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 Shoto, I'm like, I get why people like him. Not for me. I just couldn't, I couldn't emotionally engage with that story out of personal safety. But what's interesting is after the reveal about Dobby, where we find out that, and it, you were like, yeah, this should have been obvious. I'm like, well, I didn't spend much time thinking about Shoto in general, so why would I fucking connect the dots with Dobby? Um, but like, once the reveal about Dobby happened, I was like all in on that family. I was like, oh, this is so beautifully complex. Yes. I was ready to believe that his brother was dead. I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I would hate my dad too if he pushed my brother to suicide. But then I was just like, oh, 
Like, there's so much more to this story. And then Endeavor wanting to have that redemption, but maybe not deserving it. Yeah. But I think that's the beautiful thing, too, because, again, it goes back to, like, why I like the Ochako and Toga dynamic is he doesn't deserve forgiveness. No. And he's being forgiven anyway. It's slow and it's not complete, but it's like the fact that he is putting in the effort to heal and is being lifted up by his family, regardless of how much they're able to offer, is really beautiful. Yeah, because again, they're trying—they're trying to find a better system. They're, it's not just and like trying to reunite their family. It's not just the hero society system; it's also the familial system that's trying to be recovered in this story. It's—it's because it's, it, there's a lot of things in the, the Japanese family dynamic that need to be reckoned with. Well, and that's a thing too that I don't think was well fleshed out until that flip in the yeah. editor. And then it just became one of the most gripping parts of the series. Yes. You know? So the early series, yeah, I didn't think much about Endeavor at all. Even when it was like, oh, you're the number one hero now. I'm like, cool, the mean burly guy's number one hero. That's fun, I guess. Well, I love that irony. It's like, again, because he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't fucking deserve it. No. And, and uh, he fucking knows it. Yeah, exa yeah yes, exactly. That That's why I love Endeavor. It's like, okay, motherfucker, you did all this shit to get here. Congrats, you have it now. Now what do you do with the rest of your fucking life? You have a midlife crisis and it's a good one where you fix your family. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and he's got to figure it out and he makes the right decisions going forward. It, it, it's a, hey, fucker, you did all this terrible shit. Now fix it. And, and, he, and it's it's bumpy. It's a bumpy ride. And the motherfucker stumbles, but he gets it. Mm -hmm. and, and again, not alone with the help of his family and his support system. Because that's where, again, you got back to those themes where this is a power fantasy about a support system, about support systems, about getting that help you fucking need. And that's, yeah, it, it's so great. So uh, next I want to talk about what is the worst arc? Worst okay. arc. I want to back up real quick okay. with one thought about the villains, which I think is just a nice added new detail when you consider it in light of that theme, because it's like, oh, when you don't provide good, positive, uplifting support systems, it's still a human need and they're going to go make trouble. And I think that's also like a really great um, observation he kind of presents throughout the series. Uh, but anyway, worst arc... Worst arc. Um, I know I mentioned one specifically to you that I wasn't enjoying. I just don't fucking remember what it was. Was it Overhaul? Mm, overhaul was okay. Or was it the uh, the provisional exam? It, I think it was the provisional exam. Also, I didn't love the... Um, Joint training. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Again, no, no, no. <laughs> Me and Val both agreed that in the manga, joint training is the worst arc. The anime is great. Like, mm. they just had fun with it. But the provisional exam arc would be the worst because it happens right after the Kamino accident with, with All Might and 0 for 1. Yeah. It's like, how the fuck do you follow it up? You don't. You don't even bother. And you got to give Horikoshi that credit. Also, the provisional exam arc is mercifully short in the yeah. manga. That's the reason why that one's allowed to slide because it's only like a handful of issues and they move on. But yeah, I so honestly- But it, like, but it is bad. I don't like, I'm gonna say something that I don't know if it's controversial. I don't like any of the big group arcs that are academically driven. Which like, is so crazy because it's called My Hero Academia. the festival is like a little bit- Ooh, now that's got, controversial. Well, I got tired by the end of it. Okay, you know. I love the sports festival. Ever, lots also, of people love the sports festival I didn't arc. read the sports festival arc. I watched that. So again, even know. in the anime. So, so in the anime, we all agree that it was basically after the stain fight is where the uh, people will say it's the All Might fight again. But on a narrative level, yes. But if we're talking about on a production level, it's right after the stain fight is when the series starts okay, to regress. But, but also, but also, 
Stain is my favorite. Not my, maybe not my favorite character, but one of my favorite characters. Stain is awesome. I really love Stain. Everyone loves Stain because I'm oh. just, he. There, there are so many things going on with that character. Stain is as shallow or as deep as you want him to be. I think he's got depth. Oh, I yeah, really no, I, I think he's got depth too, but if you don't want to engage with him deeply, if you just want him to be a fucking parody of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're allowed to have you that. You can enjoy it still too. He he is a he is a parody of 80s comic There's books. There's no wrong oh, way to enjoy Stan. Horikoshi <laughs> is such a comic book nerd and you just see fucking um, McFarland, I think that's the comic artist. You just see so much of that happening with Stain. <laughs> and it, 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 it's so fucking great. Um, um, best arc. Best arc. Uh, let's see. Again, I gotta run through these in my head. It's a 400 chapter manga that I read in like a month. Uh, God damn it. There was a part I was all in on. I think part of it what is it? The Liberation War? The war? The big war one? I kind of liked that one. Yeah. That's fine. Because I, I, for a lot of people, I think a lot of people who were, re who were committed to the series and reading it weekly, I think they would all agree was that that war arc is what really turned the series around. Yes. That's, I was like, I was, that's for I me because I told you I was getting yeah. tired and then it came back. I'm for me, for list. me, it was my villain. My villain academia for me was the turning point of the series. Let's see. I'm looking at what the arcs are called right now. But the Liberation War, if, you, if that's yours, that's completely fair because Val, Val and I are under the on the impression that the series could have ended there. Like like Horikoshi was waiting to was waiting for an axe that he did not receive and then had to like try again. <laughs> and that, and that, but 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 in, in a good way because that's when we get the Dark Deku arc, which is also an incredible fucking arc. Though I don't think you were as high on the Dark Deku arc. As the we were. Dark Deku arc. So we're talking about Lady Nagant. Um, he's raining. No, that was pretty cool. I liked Lady Nagant. Just as a character, she's great. Okay. Um, I feel like it wasn't in my mind the best arc, but I still enjoyed it. Um, I think there's joint training, my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, meta liberation was good for me. I feel like that's what turned it around. I also feel like. Wow, some of these arcs are really long. Okay, so Dark Deku. Dark Deku, the reason I think I didn't like it is because I had that nice, pretty theory about the uh, what fantasy is being fulfilled for Deku fans, and it did make it a little difficult to stick to my guns on that. I think, I, I think, like, here's the thing, here's the thing, if you think it's difficult to, don't worry that the abridged version I'm writing of that is going to fucking help your argument. I hope so, I hope so, but I, yeah. You, you, your, your interpretations of Deku, and like when you were reading that, it's, I, basically when Cena was rereading the series, I was writing Dark Deku abridged, the first draft, and she just completely blew my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were just feeding me material to write about right now, this is amazing. I mean, are you willing to give an example or is that too much spoilers? That's too much spoilers right now because... She... Okay. But, but just, again, just dissecting Deku and his support base and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But also d dissecting My Hero Academia on a, ma on a level about masculinity and stuff. Mm. Which we can't talk about here because then it would be a spoiler for the abridged. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I just feel like... I feel like in terms of like... Ooh, I will say, I didn't mind the Star and Stripe fight. I thought I wasn't going to like it because it's America. <laughs> and then I was like... Everyone likes the Star because it, it was pretty funny. Because it's, fun, it's a, fun. 
it's an OP power we hadn't heard yeah. about previously. She just comes out of nowhere and they're like, hey, there's this chick in the US that could probably just fucking end it right now. Yeah. And I'm like, holy hell. It's very and strange. Part, actually, yeah, that might have been one of the most hype parts for me because the part where she's just like, right before you stole my quirk, I made a thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so smart. Yeah, what a like, brilliant bitch. In the hands of a less experienced writer and more, more um, disciplined writer, that could have gotten so wrong. And I think a lot of people, like in the moment, week to week, I think it rubbed people the wrong way. But that's the whole Stars and Stripe fight has only opened the doors to a lot of theories about One for All, about it being this singularity, like cosmic entity that exists for everyone, not just Deku. And and, and we're getting the most recent issues have really played with that idea. So like he's only made that fight more and more important. And yeah, it kind of it kind of like when we read it at the time, I was a little piffed about it because um it really like cut. Shigaraki's power in half. Mm. And it's like, oh, you kind of like, in writing, we call this look out for the iceberg. And it's like, you didn't just like slow the iceberg down. You cut it in half and made the iceberg smaller. And I'm like, well, you know, but here's the thing. And I'm like, ooh, is not as threatening anymore. He was about to extend the series for another year. Yeah. So you can't have him, like, it, there's a good reason for it because he's like, oh, I know what I'm doing now. I want more time and I'm not going to have that at the level we already have this motherfucker yeah. at. You no, know? No, 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 but, but, but I've reckoned with it now because again, in recent issues, the Stars and Strife fight has actually secretly been a, a lore deepener about All for One mm -hmm. where he's he's actually been playing with this, this cosmic singularity idea about what quirks come from and what, what they're about. And that's been so cool and i love that shit because he's confirming a lot of my theories he's proving me right about some things i'm like you know what i don't like that you 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 dulled shigiraki but at the same time at, it was a small price to pay for some incredibly interesting lore and no, nothing that you wholeheartedly ex you didn't he didn't like brazenly explain he didn't explain it in concrete paragraphs like duran duran did yeah he, he, this was subtle. I this was visual. I tried so hard with that one. That one broke my heart a little because I was like, I want to like you. A lot of people like, because that, that mangaka is really good. It was just too much text. Yeah. And I, and it I was a novel. It was a light novel. And that's the thing. I'm like, I'm not afraid of reading, but that's not what I come to manga for. Yeah. Like, this is it's a visual, a visual medium. medium. This yeah. is a visual medium. You can't do that. But okay. But before, if we're sticking with the Doran Doran, that means we're done here. That means well, wait, we got to talk about the uh, the most recent stuff because I have some things that I'm curious about your what? thoughts on. Well, just like this thing where we're finally getting rid of uh, what all for one. I forget which one is which. He's starting to relinquish his powers to Shigaraki. Oh, Deku. Okay, so Deku. So this is something that Val called because Val yeah. Val has been very good at predicting the series. Well, at some point you have to like. Because I, I discussed it's this. Tick, it's the ticking bomb. Because when I was at my lowest point with Deku as a character, I said, there needs to be a rejection of power. And again, this is a series about support systems. And mm -hmm. here we have Deku firing support like a fucking bullet at Shigaraki. This is so fucking poetic. I fucking love this. He's like, you want this power? You want it? Fucking take it. Boom, I'm shooting him. Again, it goes back to Deku doing a sports vessel where he's fucking blowing up fucking bullets with his fingers at people. Mm -hmm. And here he's shooting literal quirks like bullets at Shigaraki and breaking him away and, and, and refusing to um, acknowledge Shigaraki's lack of humanity. He goes, no, there's and a person in there. that's my favorite fucking there, bit about Deku. That's there's a person in around. there. That's where we see that Deku 
is also a person. He isn't quite as flat as he's been the whole series right now. Yeah. Because I feel like, too, and that's the one thing he and Ochako have in common to where I'm like, eventually, maybe Horikoshi makes that work at the end because they do have this deep compassion and refusal when, to accept a person's lack when of When that moment, when they spoke on the cliff at the end of the dark, it was right after Stars and Tribes fight. Mm -hmm. They go on the cliff and they talk. That, is, that was the very first, I said, when, when that moment happened, I said, that's the first time Ochako and Deku ever had a genuine conversation and connection. Yeah. After oh, nearly 400 chapters, yeah. they finally <laughs> actually have something in common and talked about it. Well, yeah, and so now seeing both of them having now put it that- Now it can work. Seeing both of them having to having put that character trait into action in the middle of combat, it's like, I think that too also kind of answers the other central question, which is like, what is a hero? And- I love that because it's like, it is more an attitude than it is a power. And I feel like that also kind of is covered in Vigilantes, which is not written by Horikoshi, but someone got his number. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like I feel like that is finally being addressed in a more serious way. Um, and it's just working beautifully. Like I, I really, really love where we're at right now with Deku and Shigaraki. And I'm really, Really hoping Shigaraki doesn't have an end like Toga or Twice, where we get redemption and then they die. You know, it's I tough, want man. I want Shigi to live so desperately, and we'll that's see. crazy because again, I didn't give a shit about him at the beginning, but now I'm like, this is where Horikoshi's been allowed to cook and to add that emotional maturity, and it's gotten me so deeply invested in this hurt little boy. Yeah, I I, tr I trust at this point. Ever since the Shoji, since the uh, the uh, the mutant um, rebellion. I've had nothing but full trust in Horikoshi. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm not, I, Val's still interested in get, the guessing ahead. The rebellion was sudden, and I was dicey on it when I got there, because I was yeah. like, we have not addressed any of this shit up until now. Yeah, because, again, because this editor would let him, but th that that was a moment. We can't talk about racism, yeah. or racism will exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that guys. was right when the editor changed, and we noticed a stark change in the series. That mm -hmm. was the next major turnaround for the series. And that we are here where we are today with Horikoshi because of that rebellion arc. Mm -hmm. That's where everything changed. Like, okay, he now he's now recovering his themes. He now has room to cook because this editor trusts him now. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I already know your answer to my last question, which is how how strongly do you feel that Aerie's going to reset everything like a set of Dragon Balls? I still I still believe in that. I still believe in that. Yeah, it seems likely. Even though this is a series about scars and wearing our scars, I just I. We, but here's the thing: if they resurrect Toga, Deku is dead. Deku is done for. He's not getting any pussy. Like fucking, <laughs> fucking, fucking Mirko's a quadruple amputee right now. Yeah, they're for, not gonna leave our girl without them quads. Edshot, Edshot Ed is a fucking worm right now. I forgot about Edshot. That blue. I laughed so fucking hard. It's so fucking funny. It's so fucking. It's I, so funny, but so brilliant. I'm just like, oh, holy shit. That is Horikoshi's greatest skill. That it's, is so creative. It's like, so fucking funny. Ugh. That, it, it, it's, it's mostly Threadshot. I call him Threadshot now because it's just a thread. <laughs> it's because it's shot like Threadshot that they're going to have a reset button. They have to because that's like. That's like fucking body horror right now. Like that, I love it. I'm so obsessed. Like it's I was, silly enough, but at the same time, it's like he's treading a line right now. 
Well, and again, it's kind of like this thing where writers talk about writing themselves into a corner, right? Where they're like, I don't know what to do with all these elements I've amassed and they don't seem to fit together. I mean, you're a writer, so you know that happens sometimes. And so it's like, it's really wonderful to see a writer who knows what to do with every piece of their own buffalo, you know? Because that's something that like, Edshot is, in my mind, like a very minor character, you know? And he has a power that's good, but is it like OP? And I'm like, oh, it might be because it can operate beautifully as a support. And there aren't a lot of strong support heroes in the series, to my mind. Like, everyone's kind of, not everyone is fully offensive, but like most people have an offensive strategy, I feel like. So to see him digging deep and figuring out like what other uses some of these quirks have is really beautiful. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to say now. So now that you've read My Hero and you love it this much, yes. are you interested in reading Vigilantes now? I was already reading Vigilantes before I picked my hero back up, okay. so I am gonna finish that absolutely. Because you should, because I think you would. I think Av, you love what's going on so far. You would love how um, crawlers. Well, I um, love story I love Pop Step, so I have to. I do have to finish it. Pop yeah. Step is my girl, yeah. like. Um, but otherwise, we're reaching the top of hours, so Stina, please plug these backwards echoes. Oh yeah! So for those of you that have been keeping up, you may already know, but. Uh, we recently released our third episode. We're probably going to start moving a little faster on it because I make money now. Um, not from these backwards echoes, but my day job is giving me bonuses and shit so I can afford to really start running with it. Um, if you're a fan of sci-fi, uh, time travel, if you're a fan of queer romance, um, all of that is present and we're about to get into some really major arcs. Um... If you read the original on Wattpad, the Super Moose is almost here, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and interested yeah, to is... see how our new sound editor will handle that. And this is just fun because um, I had to laugh because these backwards echoes, it's an original product, but it's actually an adaptation. Yeah, it's an adaptation of, of a light my novel. own work. Yeah. It's an adaptation of a light novel is what it is. And, yes. and, and that's that's always been so interesting. It's like, you know, because we, we, have, um, we have two right now. We have these backwards echoes and Unprepared by Cody Rock. Um, but that's always the funny thing. It's like, it's not because these background echoes is not just an original series. It's an adaptation. We're already at that level right now. Well, I'm going to drop a yummy little morsel for folks that already consider themselves fans, which is that the original light novel is still canon. The whole thing is canon. It all happened. Um, and that's the beauty of playing with timelines. Uh, I don't have to, I mean, it's a little, maybe it's a little lazy, but, um, I don't have to necessarily commit to one particular plot being the end-all-be-all plot. Uh, so it leaves a lot of room for me to like cross some threads, which I really love. And so when I'm adapting from the light novel, I do try to change the series of events a little bit um, for that reason. Because every choice the characters make and just about every episode is like a diverging tree in the timeline. So every time someone acts in this story it basically changes like everyone's fate. And so each chapter happens at those major cruxes where there would be a split. So when Dolly decides to go back to help Daichi instead of just leaving him there, for example, the reason we hear about that is because that's a crack in the timeline where originally that wasn't supposed to happen, but because of the forces moving in the future, the past has changed. Yeah, but you no, know, these backwards echoes is just an absolute fucking gem in the Joyride Crown. I cannot believe we have that series <laughs> with us. I, it just blows my. It makes it, the concept is so awesome. I love it, 
and it just makes me excited for the future because I'm like, okay, we've done, we have an original and we have an adaptation. It's like, oh my gosh, we have the we have the we have the resources to do more adaptations in the future, and mm. that and that's something that we will discuss in the future with Joyride. We're not there yet. Somewhere down the line, I want to start talking to the audience about our our company's future, about what we're, we're doing. We're constructing exciting news that you will hear about in a number of months to a year. Yeah, we're 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 we're, we're on the precipice of something, is what we should say. Because we debated if we were to talk about it on this podcast, but it just didn't feel appropriate, especially because we're not far enough along in the plan yet. Yeah. So we know like our general heading for the next couple years. And I think that you guys will be pretty stoked with it too. Cause in a way, depending on how you guys feel, you might find yourselves involved in it. Like we're trying yes. to find, we're trying to find more ways to like get you guys to feel involved. Like, you I, know what? I, I do think that we should say that much now. No, 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 don't, don't I, say it because, we're, because nothing is concrete. No, yet. no, no, what I want to say, and this is general advice we give them anyway, yeah. but if you have original projects you're working on, keep working on them. Because uh, you never, you never them, know. Yeah, keep a manuscript ready is what I'm saying. Because you never know who might be interested in adapting your material. Is what I will say from there. Yeah. Um, teaser. But, <laughs> teaser. Um, it's just about what Joyride's future looks like. But again, that's a discussion for another time because we have not like dried the ink on that co that company structure yet. Mm -hmm. But this is this is the stuff that we talked about. We uh, we've always talked about this this Orlando meeting that we had a couple of years back post COVID. That kind of decided the trajectory of the company going forward, but um, and, and we're we're start we're, we're uh, these backwards echoes and unprepared were the first baby steps to that, and it's like because some people I, I we've I, we've gotten nothing but positive fucking reception of these, but definitely not the viewership that we'd hoped, but my gosh, in a, those of you that love it love it hard, and that's exactly what I hoped for. That's why we make it. That's why we do it. Because I told myself like this kind of saved me as a writer, honestly, because I was so miserable and I was like, I have nothing to show. I've never finished anything. I never work on all these ideas in my head. And then I was like, I have all these ideas in my head. What if I tied them up in one package? Yeah. But uh, I didn't mention where to <laughs> listen to it. You can do that on the Joyride YouTube channel, but we're also on Spotify. I think we're on iHeartRadio. Yeah, basically yeah. Spotify is where you definitely want to go main, but otherwise you can look and it'll up be on Podbean. On the, right now, it's still on the Rebuild of Joy cast page but yeah. it may be getting its own uh yeah we might soon. yeah we might be giving all our podcasts their own pages very soon when we start building up that catalog again that's that's another future thing mm -hmm. but that's all we want to say is that we have a we have an idea for joyride going forward because you know in this fucking age where people are trying to like ai generate prompts and stories that just i i, I i'm impressed with it. i'm impressed with it but it's still soulless at the end of the day and I'm just like, you're, you're never going to be able to replace people. The problem is... We want to hear human shit from human people, and we want to encourage that as my much as beef, possible. My beef with it is the fact that they say it democratizes creativity, and it, it doesn't. That's not how you do it. How you democratize creativity is you put resources in the hands this of storytellers who don't have those resources. Well, that's the thing. They're like, oh, not everyone can invest time in art. And I'm like, if you were really passionate about it, you would. You and can. I know that's controversial. I know depression exists. But here's the thing. If my manic depressive ass can sit down and write even a sentence a day certainly you can too and it does get easier take it from someone who has been on the other side of that fence for a very long time and is just now getting well enough as a human being to create things again like fuck ai invest in building the skill that's invest, invest in people the uh, democratization of art is a non-issue because people that want to make art and are passionate about it are doing that and if you are interested in AI as a tool for creativity, 
Let me just give you the advice to make your own shit. Fuck AI. You are so much better than that. Yeah, I promise you. You deserve better than that. You have more potential than that. Yeah. Don't limit yourself with something that beneath you. I don't even care who you are. I believe this. I believe AI for creative purposes really is beneath any true artist. Yeah, for for me, it's just a tool. It's just a tool. It, it, it's, a, it's a novelty toy right now that we're just getting way too, we're, we're getting too imminent, uh, intimate Actually, too yeah, fast I was going to say, I think, I think that was a little too damning because what I will say is the, well, presidents, well, the president's sitcom series that's come out with AI is very based, but I think he writes that himself and just uses it for the voice. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. Again, uh, we, we don't have time. We have to wrap up. But yeah, like, we got to wrap. But like uh, the, that, that episode of Spike's Family, a bridge that's on Patreon right now is uh, very, very much our feelings in general about AI where we're yeah. like, AI is fun but it can't replace certain things like you have to you you specifically need to set your own personal limits with ai tell your own you have story a you have a personal responsibility to yourself your family your peers about what relationship that you're going to have with ai because no one else is going to set those limits for you and you don't want other people to control your life with it because it will get messy Amen. Uh, but yeah, we gotta go, guys. Trains at the station, though. Yeah. Yeah, trains at the station. Thank you for joining me, Stina. This was a fucking fun episode. Um, this episode's actually probably gonna be on YouTube because we're trying to like wake up the algorithm after our holiday break. We we didn't take time off. The channel did. We weren't pushing things on the channel other than shorts because to make sure that we weren't going bankrupt in that time. But we're trying to get our series back. But we need to kind of wake up the algorithm and remind them that we're here. So that's why you're gonna see this episode on. YouTube, this isn't the norm. So if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, we're usually on every Monday on Spotify and several other podcasting platforms. Um, we always put a notification up on our Discord, our Twitter, the the YouTube community page. So it's always it's usually Mondays at 11 a.m. If we're not there, we took a break. If we're there, it's always Monday at 11. But until then, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Bye. Mind the gap as you exit our podcast safely. Rebuild of Joycast is hosted by Ivan Leroy and Valentine Stokes. Leroy's written and directed works can be found on the Joyride Entertainment YouTube channel. Val's dulcet tones can be heard in many of your favorite anime and web series, such as Ruby, Lackadaisy, Gunbuster, Death Battle, and more. Audio engineering by Stina Carey. Music provided by Lo-Fi Geek. Intro and outro narration by Stina Carey. Outro music composed by Michael Payovich. Logo and visuals designed by Ivan Leroy. Keep the conversation going by visiting Joyride's public Discord server, where you can discuss this week's topics and more. Patreon donors also get access to our weekly anime watch club with cast and crew. Links provided in the description. Rebuild of Joycast is produced by Joyride Entertainment and Rock Voice Productions, LLC, and made possible thanks to Patreon donations from generous listeners like you. Thank you for keeping Joyride's engine burning.